Howdy. You're listening to the Think Grasses Podcast, a BCS Habitat for Humanity production. We're dedicated to promoting housing affordability, economic opportunity, and financial resiliency for families in Brazos County. This episode is part of a series of candidate interviews for the two races on the College Station City Council. The election is November 2nd, 2021. And by the way, the College Station City Council races are all at large. So if you're eligible to vote in College Station, you can vote for both races. I'll be honest with you, most people will stay home and let others decide the future of College Station, but we hope you don't. We hope you'll not only listen to the rest of these episodes, but also share this podcast with your friends and your neighbors. Now on to the interview. We are joined today by Elizabeth Kuna, who is the candidate for Place 4 um, of the College Station City Council Thank you so much for joining, and I'm going to add as well that for almost a year, you are the incumbent of that position as well. So again, thank you so much, Ms. Kuna, for, for joining us on Think Brazos today. Oh, thank you for having me. So I wanted to start off, um, I hope I'm not being too um, forward with this comment, but I wanted to start off by saying that, you know, the city council meetings, I've watched a few over the last year, watched you and the other council members um, debating sometimes long into the night. These things can last for what I think is a brutally long period of time. Uh, and then, unfortunately, sometimes you are uh, quite often outvoted, uh, to put it to put it mildly. Um, so given all that, the long hours, uh, the six to one that sometimes happens on some of these votes, you actually want more. You want to come back and, and take more punishment. Can you tell us why that is? Sure. Yes, um, I, I, I think you've summarized my several months in office very well. It often is 6-1, sometimes 5-2, and I'm like, woohoo, 5-2. <laughs> um, but, you know, when I, was, when I was given the orientation to uh, city council, which you get right after you're elected by the Texas Municipal League, they pointed out that there are really two roles of the city council. One role is to make sure that the will of the majority is followed. Mm -hmm. And the other role is to make sure the will of the minority is heard. And so sometimes that's my role. I can express the role of, of the minority view. Okay. And it's important to me that that be heard. I hope that it, it balances people's thinking a little bit. Uh, as an educator, I'm all about hearts and minds. Right. And so it's valuable to me to put this kind of work in if I can help people think more broadly or more deeply about an issue. And so that's why I want to do it again. I understand that the composition of the council, if I'm reelected, may still be 6152. Sure. Um, but I believe there is real value in the discussions, in people who are listening, whether during the night with me or the next day on WTAW or sure. KBTX or the Eagle, sometimes those comments are reproduced and people have time to think about it in their own minds and say, you know, I can see that point and it might moderate their view a little bit. Uh, but there is value just in hearing opinions that are not the majority opinion. And I'm happy to play that role. Yeah. And then um, I have noticed that, that uh, you seem to get an outsized um airtime on WTAW and some of these others, uh, probably for a lot of the uh, opinions that you hold. Uh, speaking of that, though, opinions or positions, what would you say going forward, should you be reelected, are going to be some of your main um, 
goals or, or policy goals in the coming year, two years, three years? I know that's a broad question, but... No, it's a great question. So you're right. If I'm reelected, this will be a three-year term. So I know some people feel like every time they go to the polling place, my name is on the ballot. If I get reelected, <laughs> it'll be three years before before I'm on the ballot again. But during that time, I, I do hope to address um, some of the regulation that our homeowners experience. I, I'd like to... Um, I'd like to address some of those. One of the things that I think did go really well during my last several months where I wasn't the minority opinion was the chicken, the chickens. I heard about that. Yes. So um, we, we as, a, as an entire unanimous council, rolled back the regulation that uh, was 100 feet before you could have yes. chickens at home. And we rolled that back to 50 feet because people that live in smaller homes on smaller lots just don't have 100 right. feet. And so that made it available for more homeowners to have that opportunity for them and their children um, and their neighbors to experience chickens. And for me, that wasn't, I don't personally have chickens, but I like that other people could if they wanted. And so moving forward in the next three years, I'd like to look at other things that homeowners wish they could do or, or would like to do. Um, and I'd like to keep pushing on transportation, on um, on bringing the bus service into something that's used across the demographics, on watching for ways to bring mobility options to our residents, whether it's the Cosmos or the Blue Deck um, yeah. scooters that are offered mm -hmm. in Lakeway, and just continue to highlight and promote those and, and support those as well. So I do think there are some goals that I have as far as increasing mobility and, and housing choice for our residents that I would like to pursue. Okay. And as far as, oh, by the way, the chicken issue, we were really excited about that because my wife and I, our kids have a few chickens and they love them. And uh, we were happy to see that because fresh eggs are amazing. They taste great. Yeah. You should do it. But uh, uh, now as far as a council um, overall in the last year, um, or actually going forward, what do you think as far as a council, some of, some of your collective goals are going to be? What direction do you think you're, you're headed. So January is when we do our strategic planning. So mm -hmm. January is where all the council members will kind of put their goals and what they want into the mix. Um, last January, some of the things that I highlighted was an increased view of volunteerism. I, I think all of the council would like to see, although I can't speak for the whole council, but I think all of us would like to see an increase in unity in our community. Mm -hmm. And so um, my push last January was to increase volunteerism because probably not foreign to you in Habitat. Right. When people volunteer, there's more buy-in, there's more understanding, and you really do increase that sense of unity. And so I, I think as a council moving forward, it will have to wait until January to see what all of them would like to do and the direction yeah. they want to take. But I think unity is on top of all of our minds. Traffic congestion is on top of yeah. all of our minds. And, and just uh, finding ways to help neighbors live next to one another in a very amicable way uh, yeah. that, that's that's the struggle and so yeah. i can't speak for the council as a whole but i think generally in january you'll see things that that touch those areas yeah and uh, you mentioned the unity you had a chance to attend habitat's candidate build last year so yes. to just do a plug for anybody yes. who's watching that is running for local or any office this yes. year or next please come out uh, Miss Kuna can tell you all about it, uh, that uh, it really is, I feel, a unifying experience where you have 
Republicans, Democrats, those on one side of the council, those on the other that can come out, help build a house for somebody in need. So just had to throw that out there. But uh, <laughs> yes, I'll miss this year's. I'm really sorry. I'll be in a conference in Houston. But I did enjoy last year's. And we are nonpartisan, so we don't come representing right. Republican or Democrat. But it was a great opportunity to rub shoulders with our with our with our uh, civic partners in Bryan. We were sure. all working on the same house together, and I think you had some county yes. officials there mm-hmm. as well. And so just building those relationship bridges, not only among the College Station candidates, but also College Station with our community partners right. and our in Bryan and the county was also very valuable and so yes i do think everyone should come out i feel a little bit bad because i'm not going to be there but it's because i'm in a training for sitting council in houston i'm so sorry (laughs) that is no problem at all but uh yeah just wanted to throw that out there so to circle back to you mentioned the next 10 the strategic planning um that y'all are doing and um you're still going to be working on, I guess, next year, or is it wrapping up no, this year? No, no, it's wrapping up. So, okay. Yeah, so that's definitely wrapping up. I'm not sure when this will air, but but we're about ready to um, to push it to city council. So it's, okay. it's made its way through all of the boards and the community input, and it's about ready to be presented and adopted by council. So we're almost okay. there. So I went to um, one or two of those um, basically um, seminars or whatever where they're uh, talking about the plan. And, and one of the things that I noticed, I think there are a lot of good things in there, but I did have a hard time seeing um, how it was going to affect affordable housing, both rental and home ownership um, in the next 10 years. It didn't seem like it was doing anything necessarily bad for it, but I, I didn't see whether there was going to be an increase in the ability to build affordable housing or what that looked like. Can you speak to any connection with what the, the next What the comp 10? plan has to do with affordable housing? <laughs> yeah. And where the two should meet? Sure, absolutely. So so the biggest thrust that I've experienced in the comp plan is on land use, right? Mm-hmm. And so bringing in that mixed use zoning and trying to find places for it, places okay. where we can increase density, um, those are issues that directly impact affordable housing. Um, and then I think I bumped into you at the library one where yes. it was more focused on transportation, I think, on I that one. So. Um, but again, I think that touches affordable housing because part of affordable housing is getting a house that you can afford where you don't also need a second vehicle to get to work, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got to not only be able to afford a property, but a property in close enough proximity to your work and your school yeah. that you can access it without having to get additional funds for additional transportation. And so making sure, does that seem like a real stretch to you? No. But but just making sure that we've got housing that that also has a transportation support piece to it is important for people that are looking for affordable housing because they've got to be able to live and get to work and school. Yeah. And so um and so I do think there is threads running through that comprehensive plan that are supportive of affordable housing as we look towards zoning issues. And then transportation issues that marry with where you're living. We'd like to take a minute to thank the Habitat Restore for furnishing the studio and let you know that everything, and I mean everything, in the video version of this podcast is currently for sale. Except the politicians, of course. If you haven't checked out our Restore, you definitely should. The Habitat for Humanity Restore is the Brazos Valley's premier resale shop where the proceeds of every piece of furniture or decor donated to us go on to help fund building decent, affordable, and sustainable homes for families right here in our community. 
Here you can find everything from the ordinary to the extraordinary to the downright strange. Seriously, we've had a stuffed coyote donated, which sold surprisingly fast. Currently, we have a great collection of home furniture, including a china cabinet and an antique Singer brand sewing machine. I might have to buy that one. I'm telling you, before you pay full price for home decor, check out Habitat Restore. I'll put the Restore links in the show notes for you. All right, back to the interview. I had a conversation with um, our partners at the city and Brian today, and one of the comments that was made was that even in Brian, which is thought of as the more affordable city in terms of um, single-family homes, that a typical low-income family, unless they're lucky enough to be able to come to Habitat and, and get in our program, uh, the typical um, low-income family at 80% of the median income is it's almost impossible for them to be able to afford even a new home in Bryan because that price tag is so high. And in College Station, it's, I think, even a little bit higher. Is there, do you have any ideas on what to do on the affordability side beyond the transportation, which I totally get? That's an important part of it, you know, also being able to save money. But um, as far as house prices themselves, were, do you have any ideas um, on things that could be done to make homes more affordable? Also rentals, too, because that's mm-hmm. a big issue. Sure. Yeah, that's a big question. That's Sorry. a huge question. Can I question. chunk it out a little you bit? You absolutely can. Okay. That was a bad question. No, it was a great question. It was just, it was just very broad. Um, first of all, I might take issue with Brian as the more affordable city. I might, if I could just for a moment. That's fine. So, um, so you might find a less expensive house, but their uh, their property tax is almost ten cents higher than mm. ours, and that will get factored factored into your mortgage payment. And so, um, so I always bristle when people say it's cheaper to live in Brian. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure because <laughs> we we have kept our property taxes significantly lower, mm. and that does get factored into the mortgage payment. Okay. So, just want to. Maybe put that in a little bit, um, but yes. As far as as far as what can we do with, about affordable housing in our city with that eighty percent MDI? Um, there's there's several things I'd like to talk about. And sure. If the answer goes too long, you can. Um, but one of the things really that I've noticed is that citizens like the idea of affordable housing, but not in their backyard. Mm-hmm. And so when we start to talk about affordable housing. And then we start talking about where people get a little bit tense. And I wish we could explore um, what that 80% income level looks like. So for a family of four in College Station, um, the CDBG grants are available to somebody for a family of four that makes $55,000. So if you Google a CSISD teacher, Mm -hmm. they can make 15 years of experience with a degree, bachelor's degree, full teacher. They're going to make 51 a year. Wow. And so when we think about affordable housing and who might live there, it might be your child's teacher. And that, you can fact check that. It's all online. Yeah. It's very it's very clear right. that that's, that's who we're talking about. And so when we are talking about where to put affordable housing, where would you like your school teacher to live? Would you like them to live near you? And if the answer is yes, then let's make it happen. And so I would encourage our residents to think deeply about the faces of those people and, and the roles they play in their community and, and would they welcome them in the lot next to them. We do have an inventory issue. Mm-hmm. So we need more housing. Also, when we think about affordable housing, 
Sometimes, um, before I, a couple of years back, I would have told you it meant a single family home. But I understand better today that, is, that affordable housing could look many different ways. It could be a single family home. It could sure. be a town home. It could be a duplex. It could be an apartment. It needs to be a, a, a safe, tranquil place where people can live and, and raise their family. But what that looks like may be very different. And it's interesting that the young adults of today, not all of them want a home with a yard to take care of. Some sure. of them want that townhome experience. Right. They want the nicer amenities without the yard that they have to take care of. <laughs> and so when we think about affordable housing, maybe the picture in our mind needs to be more flexible about what the dwelling looks like. And I think as we zone and, and, and try to incentivize that those options should be on the menu. Um, I do think the city does a pretty good job with our uh, community development grants to help people get into their homes. They have some really great um, down payment assistance programs. Sure. And if you Google affordable housing and college station, there are pages of community partners that are willing to help residents find housing right okay. habitat is a great one but there's but there are others and there are lots depending on your family situation that are there to help you find that housing fit for you sure. um, but the city of college station does offer down payment assistance because many times what affordable housing looks like is a family that can afford the payment it's the same payment they're making for rent they just can't afford that down payment to step in sure and so knowing that that assistance is out there can be very encouraging um the city also offers a home buyer education program just to empower residents with the skills and the vision to get into that home and that class is free and um and I'd, i'd invite listeners that are interested to look into taking that class um, I wish that, like the city's plan, I wish some of our major employers would have a down payment assistant plan as a branch of their retention programs. Interesting. Um, I noticed Microsoft is doing that now. Really? Uh, they put $500 million toward affordable wow. housing. And so I thought, wow, retention is a real issue right now. Right. Um, especially in College Station. And so I thought, what if the major employers that are struggling with retention had a down payment assistance program. So they would help you buy a house. Once you're in a home and your mm-hmm. kids are in a school, you're real tempted to stay. Oh, yeah. And so the benefit to the company is that they don't have to retrain and retrain. Right. The onboarding costs can be significant. And so that company would see that money back just in a different way. Wow. So um, also, you know, impact fees are a little bit of a trick when we're talking about affordable housing. Mm-hmm. Impact fees... Uh, can run $7,000 on a home, and it doesn't depend on the size of the home. So the impact fee stays the same whether the builder is building an 1,000-square-foot home or a 5,000-square-foot home. But the price per square foot then goes down if they build the larger home, right? And so the price per square foot is harder to bear on the smaller homes. So I would like to invite the city to consider... Um, incentivizing that affordable housing, smaller entry-level home by waiving the impact fees if that's the kind of home that the builder is going to be developing. Um, And so those are some ideas, some things that we can do. But but stage one is just helping our residents embrace affordable housing in their backyard. Yeah. And being willing to say, yeah, that that's important. Another another idea that I found when I was researching is um, cities will help builders and developers build 
dense units, dense uh, multifamily housing, apartment okay. complexes. And then the city will incentivize them to put aside like a fifth of those units for uh, affordable housing. And sure. then the others are regular housing. Then you get a mixed income mm-hmm. housing situation, which is great for everyone. Sure. Right? As soon as you can have blended income neighborhoods, you get better understanding, better cooperation, better mobility mm-hmm. for those residents. And so I thought that was a that was a great idea too. Yeah. No, those are some those are some interesting ideas. I hadn't heard of the one about the major employers and what do you say, down payment assistance? Yeah, Microsoft put five hundred million. Yeah, I hadn't even housing. heard about that. Yeah. Um, let's. Uh, I know Habitat. We're interested in housing, but we're also interested in some other big issues going on in the city uh, that you may be as well. And I wanted to ask you briefly about um, this, uh, these charter amendments that are coming up in November along with your election. Mm-hmm. Um, and in particular, the one that's gotten a lot of airtime is uh, the concept that will be put to the people of um, changing the election from even years to odd years. Mm-hmm. Is that what this is. Could you yeah, talk more about that? Sure. So even and odd, I, I think on first glance, you're like, why does it matter even or odd, right? Sure. So in 2018, voters moved, voters approved by 70% uh, a charter amendment to move all city elections to even years okay. and to go to four-year terms. That's what Got the it. issue was. And 70% of the voters said, yes, that's what we want, even. What that does is it's less cost for the city. So okay. the base cost for an election is $90,000. In an even year, that's spread across seven different entities because okay. you'll have federal races and state races, and they're all going to share that cost. Right. In an odd year, um, that cost is spread over a much smaller group. For instance, in 2021, this November, there's only three entities on your ballot. It's us. Right. Uh, the CSISD and the county. Right. And so we're going to take that 90000 and only cut it into three three bills. And so our bill will be, will be bigger. So the even gets a lower cost to the city to run that election. But the bigger issue is who votes. So if you move it to odd years, your voting pool historically is much, much smaller. So, for instance, in 2020 when I ran... In my race, there was over 32,000 voters that voted in my race. Okay. In 2019, there were 6,000, just over 6,000 that voted in the Rector-Crompton race. And so the difference is is big. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's vast, the difference in the number of voters that show up to vote. And that trend holds true for as many years as you'd care to go back and mine the data. Really? That is a consistent trend. And so um, the even years are profoundly larger in voter turnout on local issues than is the, okay. than is the odd year. And that's just because uh, you also have the congressional races, you have other So you have the larger the races that attract the voter to the polls, um, okay. and it's more visible. So I have over 100 signs put up in College Station. I know my opponent um, has, and then all the other races have. But if you drive around College Station... You don't really see that many signs, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and so you because there aren't that many races, and so I think visually people are are not as aware that that the election is happening. Um, the coverage in our media partners is not as pervasive because they're not covering as many races, right? And so you lose some of that um, some of that attention, just that overall community awareness that that election is happening. And then that's reflected in the poll numbers. Yeah. And so, um, and so those are some of the reasons why moving it to an odd year uh, might not be great. 
And so, and when we're talking about charter amendments, it's really important that I remind the audience that I'm speaking only as a candidate. I can't speak for the council. I can't speak as a council person on the charter amendment issue. But as an individual, I can share that I'm very concerned about, about moving it to odd years because I'm very concerned about losing that voter input. Okay. I'm really annoyed that we're asking this question on your ballot in an odd year. So in a year where historically we would expect a very small percentage of voters to turn out the polls, that's when we're asking if we want to keep it on an odd year. If the question needed to be asked I would prefer we ask it in an even year when everyone will show up and we're saying, guys, we know three years ago you said you wanted even. We're thinking about changing it to odd. What do you think? Mm-hmm. I think that would be a, a more fair time to pose the question when we know the voters are going to be there to address it. Okay. Um, people do want Charter Amendment 3. The people that want it feel like you're going to get a more informed electric and it won't get, um, it won't get swallowed up in the partisan mm-hmm. politics. But... I have run in two even elections, and our media partners are fabulous about providing us opportunities to educate voters and um, yeah. and to maintain our nonpartisan platforms when we're doing it in those even years. And so because we do have such good community support in getting our message out in those even years, I, I, hope it, I hope it doesn't pass. I hope the voters come out and say, you know what, we do need more people at the poll. Historically, we get that when we do an even year, and it's less expensive for the city. How often do you get more participation with less expense? Yeah. Even years will get you there, and odd years won't. Wow. No, that's fascinating. Um, with the little time that we have left, uh, I wanted to give you an opportunity to, to speak to, you know, directly to the people that are watching this as far as anything about um, your campaign, how to get involved, but also any closing remarks you have or things that you want them to know, or us to know. Sure, yeah. So I would love for uh, residents to go to kunaforcitycouncil.com and, and learn more about um, <clears throat> my race and, and what I'm hoping to do for the city. You can email me at kunaforcitycouncil at gmail.com and, and join the conversation and tell me what you think we should be focusing on and, and where you think the city council needs to needs to improve. Um I've enjoyed my service for this almost, almost year. It'll be, I think, over <laughs> like nine or ten months in now. It's been fascinating. The thing I have loved the most, mm-hmm. if I could just share yeah, that, I have become highly aware of how many organizations there are like Habitat where you have people that are putting in all of their free time to better our community. Right. I have been humbled by the by the sheer volume of people that reinvest in our community and reinvest in our community. Um, they are inspiring to be around and, um, and do a lot of good. We have a lot of good people in our community. I, I think sometimes we read the paper, we hear the news, we get distracted by the ones that are, you know, doing, doing crime and, and, yeah. and detracting. But there are so many good people in Bryan College Station that are doing so many good things to help one another. And I have become more aware of that, and it's made me more proud to live in this community and to be a part of that um, that groundswell of good, and it's here. And so if any of your listeners should feel uh, alone or should need some help, I'd encourage them to reach out because there is help here. Uh, if you need something, uh, there's, there's people that want to help you move forward and want to help you succeed. And uh, the help is real. 
And so that's, that's what I've learned. And uh, what I'd like to do is just keep that forward momentum going. So. That's awesome. So the election is November 2nd. It is. And I think uh, sometime in uh, October is the last day of early voting, I believe. I can't so, recall what day Yeah, you is. want all the dates? Okay, so <laughs> sure. Those are important. So October 4th is the last day that a new resident can register to vote. So if you're new to College Station and you want to vote in that November election, you need to get your voter registration in by October 4th. Mm-hmm. Um, once you're registered, or if you're a resident you know, that's voted here before, you know, that's great. Right. Um, early voting starts October 18th. Okay. And then uh, it runs. I think it runs through like October thirtieth, and Something then, like um, and then election day is November second. Okay. Well, uh, Councilwoman, it has been a pleasure to speak to you today. We always uh, enjoy talking to you about housing and other city-related things. Um, best of luck in November, and um, yeah. The Think Press's podcast is brought to you by Bryan College Station Habitat for Humanity. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Alexa. We'd love to hear from you and what you think of our content. You can send us an email at thinkbrasses at gmail.com or message us through social media. Thanks for listening, and just remember, think local, think brasses. Think Brasses.